Have you ever come up with an idea that you thought could make you really rich? Maybe you wrote it down on a post-it or in the notes app on your iPhone, but you didn't do anything with it. And then at some point you found out that someone else had pretty much the same idea, but they did do something about it. I invented the Peloton 25 <laughs> years ago. That's what happened to Jim Feely. But it was gonna be animated, like you were riding a bike through like these animated worlds. But it's true, he did. I, and I even went to a, like some exercise stores and said, does this even exist? And they're like, no, no one wants to do that. Jim may not have cashed in on his million-dollar idea, but his wife, Stacy is one of those people who did. She's an entrepreneur with a big mission. How do we create a cultural change to really get people moving away from using single-use plastics? And by her side on that mission is her husband, Jim. Not the inventor of the Peloton, but with a dream job nonetheless. I'm a character designer in film and television animation. I currently work on Big Mouth on Netflix and then American Dad on TBS. In this podcast, we meet the entrepreneurs who are making Northern Michigan their home and discover the journeys that led them here. Today, Silicone meets Celluloid. I'm Tommy Andres, and this is Creative Coast. Jim Feely grew up in Chicago, the son of an ad executive. When I would go visit my dad at work, he would have meetings and pawn me off on some of the other departments until we left for the Cubs game or whatever it was. But what I, I think was exposed to was an industry I was attracted to. As a kid, Jim loved art. I was involved in drawing, painting, airbrushing was kind of the new cool thing back then. And he continued on that path when he went to Boston College. You know, I took every art class I could fit into my schedule. But he never imagined he'd become an artist. I was an English major. Art to me, it was not a career path. It was something that you do to keep your soul breathing healthily. During his senior year at BC, Jim took a filmmaking class. Running around with your pals in a Super 8 camera making movies. I really loved it. And that led him to an internship at a film studio in Boston called Olive Jar Animation during his final year. They were doing some really cool stuff for MTV. Turn it on. Leave it on. America. Steven, you think you want I want my MTV. Some of those early interstitials where the claymation M and then the TV, it's like a little monster. And, um, and they did a whole series of those, and I thought, this is pretty cool. I got accepted to their internship and graduated three months later, and they offered me a job as a PA, and I had nothing else to do. And I, I still had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, so I, I figured I would ride out the summer and... I ended up staying for five years. Jim was enjoying working in the industry, but he had yet to discover his gift for animation. Being kind of satiated, being in a creative industry, being part of the, the machine, but not being a creative myself. But that industry was firmly rooted on the other side of the country. So after five years working in Boston, there was only one place for Jim to go, Los Angeles. Stacy Feely, then Stacy Werman, grew up almost a thousand miles away from Jim in Paris, Texas. Bible Belt section of the world, this tiny little dot in the northeast corner of Texas. And Stacy wanted out. I was a small country girl that wanted to go explore the world. By the time college rolled around, I was ready to fly. So after graduating from high school, Stacy flew to the University of Colorado. 
I thought my father was going to have a heart attack when I told him I wanted to be a theater major. But it was something I always loved growing up. When Stacy finished college, she decided to head west to pursue acting. And made the move to Los Angeles after I graduated. Two, three, four. In L.A., Jim got a job at Film Roman Studios, which produced The Simpsons. He was working on another show called Mission Hill as a production coordinator, and there was a great perk to his job. What the studio did once a week is they had an open life drawing workshop. They would bring in a life model for an hour, and all employees were welcome to just pull up a chair and their sketch pad, and I loved to do this. You know, and this is what I did all through high school and college. And, and so I pull up and realize immediately I'm well outmatched with the, the professionals surrounding me. But Jim is being modest. Life drawing is a huge part of animation. So some of the best life drawers are animators. I got to watch them in their real-time craft. But then, surprisingly to me, some would come over and kind of critique my work and, and give me some ideas, but all positive. From there, I was invited by a couple of these artists who encouraged me to take a, a design test for the job of a character designer, which is where I still am today. That's awesome. So to me, the story sounds like if you're like a bat boy for a baseball team and a pro baseball player is like, hey, you look like you know how to swing a bat pretty well. And then suddenly you're brought in to start doing the actual animation. I mean, this was not what you were doing, so it's pretty amazing to sit in a room with these guys who are some of the best life drawers in the world and have them be like, hey, you're pretty good. Why don't you try this? I don't know if anyone ever said you're pretty good, but what they did is they <laughs> they, they said, here's what you can do better, and that inspired me that maybe there was something there. Yes. And there was something there. Jim landed a job on the animated science fiction show Futurama. Futurama was a, a, an amazing show to really earn my chops on because they visited alien civilizations and, and robots. And under the sewer, there were these mutant characters. And, and occasionally, you'd get a human to draw. Now open your mouth and let's have a look at that brain. No, 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 not that mouth. I only have one. Really? Uh, is there a human doctor around? Young lady, I'm an expert on humans. Now pick a mouth, open it, and say... While Jim was sinking his teeth into his newfound passion, in another part of L.A., Stacy was realizing hers was not all she dreamed it would be. One, it's really hard and tough, and you get a lot of knocks and dings for sure. But, you know, I got to a point where, you know, eating peanut butter and jelly every day was not for me. <laughs> And this is the point when the stars align and Jim and Stacy meet. It was a warm October evening in the year 2000. And it began with an invite to a party from Stacy's new roommate. And she said, oh, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend. He lives right down the street. And, you know, let's go, let's go over to his house. That friend was Jim Feely. She came in and she went right to the banjo that I didn't play, but I owned with the intention of learning. And I was. I was into my banjo phase at that point. <laughs> And she picked it up right away and started picking. And <clears throat> I thought right away, I'm like, that's pretty cool. And it kind of introduced me to her creative spirit right away. The couple had an immediate bond. And it wasn't the only significant person Stacy would meet that night. There was also a woman at the party named Juliana Schwab. 
She's got this big bubbly personality and um, it was an immediate friendship. And by the end of that night, Stacy was all in with Jim. I'll never forget when we came home that night, uh, it was like, oh, you know, I, I'd like to see you again. He's like, I'd like to see you again. And out of the cab window, he yells, I'm like, well, I, you know, what's your number? And he's like, nine taco. And I was like, what? Taco, nine taco. It's still his number. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is, this is the guy for me. <laughs> Jim, it kind of sounds like Stacy knew that you were the real deal. Did you have the same thought? You had no idea. <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean. No, you didn't. Well, I knew to call you the next weekend for dinner and the next week after that. When I first met Jim, he he had this full beard and our first date, he comes to pick me up and I'm downstairs in my apartment lobby and I'm kind of like looking around and he's there, but he had shaved his beard and I had no clue it was him. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> like, what do you mean you shaved your beard? The night I met her, maybe I didn't even expect our friend was going to bring a a gal by. I was just kind of a single guy living. And so I cleaned up my best for this date, which I hadn't had maybe in a while. And we have a picture of that night. I mean, the outfit's on us both, but I'm wearing this turtleneck that I wear as a joke now. And why I'm wearing a turtleneck in October in Los Angeles is beyond me. Yeah, it was an awkward half an hour in her living room <laughs> until we went out and then we had a good time. Jim's career continued to advance. On Futurama, he had joined during the third season when the show's characters had already been created, but now he was helping to design a whole new world with hugely accomplished Seth MacFarlane on what would become a hugely popular show, American Dad. Good morning, USA. I got a feeling that it's gonna be a wonderful day. He had some sketches on Post-its and uh, little loose-leaf pages. He and I would sit down and I would work with him on bringing those characters into kind of a, a uniform world, a form and a, a volume that can be animated and repeated by a number of uh, artists. Good morning, USA. To me, that is some of the most fun work I do because you're setting the style, you're visualizing the, the character world. So you and Seth MacFarlane are just sitting side by side creating the entire look for American Dad. I think the first side-by-side -side were drawings that came through by fax of Seth's. And if you remember fax machines, you would never have that exact one-to-one -one ratio. So everything got stretched or pulled. And so his designs, as I was introduced to them, were these elongated versions. <laughs> like, that's problematic, you know, if, if we're talking about trying to nail down a design. And then what he would receive from me, I'd made sure to hand deliver it so he didn't have to deal with that on my end. Those were definitely some fun days for sure. In 2004, Stacy and Jim got married. It was a big Texan affair. The theme, city boy meets country girl. Stacy's parents invited everyone from the local community and their guests from LA got to race tractors and shoot skeet. Not long after, the couple started a family. 
Once we had kids, that's what kind of sent me on my journey of entrepreneurship. Stacy gave birth to Adelaide, the first of their three daughters. And it was then that she realized something. I was a first-time parent, you know, doing all this crazy research, you know, because I was horrified I was going to do something to mess up my poor baby, you know. So I'm doing all this research, trying to, you know, figure out what's, you know, what are the things that we should have, what should we not be doing, what should we be doing, and discovered pretty quickly that there were all these toxic chemicals found in plastics, and they were leaching into these plastic baby bottles that I was using. Now, remember that woman that Stacy met on the same night she met Jim? Juliana Schwab. By this stage, Stacy and Juliana had become good friends. They'd also had their children right around the same time. We were talking about this and said, you know, like, how do we make a plastic bottle safe? And we said, well, I guess you could either just not use them and use something like glass. That was the only other alternative at the time. So the problem with glass is that it breaks. So we said, oh, you know, let's let's play around with some different materials to see if we can protect a glass baby bottle. And so we realized very quickly that silicone had all these like really great material properties. It doesn't fade, it doesn't scratch, it doesn't have toxic chemicals. You can boil it to sterilize it. So it had all these great properties. So we knew that we had found a really great material and we started cutting things up in my kitchen that were made out of silicone and wrapping it around these glass bottles that we had. And I have this really fun memory of going to a parking lot in Los Angeles, the Glendale parking lot with my dad and dropping baby bottles off the roof, you know, and he was down at the bottom and he was like, okay, clear, you know, and I would drop it. And we were trying to find the, you know, the break threshold. Jim remembers those early days as well. I would come home from work every day and they, like she said, she cut up all our oven mitts and they would just start making it. And she's still doing that today where she's making it out of hand-making it out of materials that aren't meant to be the product, but they give you the idea of the product. And that inspires you to experiment with other materials and then show it to somebody. She doesn't ask, how do I do it? She and Juliana have always just done it. I was always impressed with that. And so Stacy and Juliana start a company called Go Silly. I wasn't a business major. I went to you know school for theater. So I think initially the naivety of what it takes to actually run a business and to get up off the ground. We were so naive about that. And I think if we'd have known how hard it was going to be, maybe we wouldn't have done that, you know? But, you know, being naive and in that position, I think also lends itself to allowing you to do a lot of the things that somebody else might not. Once they designed those products and had thrown them off that parking lot roof, it was time to start selling. And it was literally go into the store, hey, you know, I'm Stacy, and I've got this really cool idea. And at the time, I think they were just even prototypes, you know, like we, we just had a few that we were showing. And it was just about knocking on the doors and, you know, seeing who, who bit. Stacy and Juliana were pretty successful early on getting independent stores on board, but those orders were small. Then in 2008, Canada made a decision that would have a huge impact on their company. They banned BPA in baby bottles. BPA is a chemical compound which had been widely used in plastic products for decades before being banned by many countries because of health concerns. They literally had to dump like millions of plastic baby bottles and didn't have anything to replace them except for, you know, some of the old school glass bottles. It was Stacy and Juliana's moment. They got a call from a huge retail store. Babies or us called us and I mean I couldn't I didn't even know how they got our number, didn't know 
they knew we existed, but they called us and, you know, at the time, I mean, I had, you know, just like a couple pallets of stuff sitting in our backyard and, you know, said, oh my God, like, this is really, this is it, you know, this is our opportunity to really scale. But Go Silly's initial boom was short-lived. We did that for about six months, and then the market crashed. <laughs> the financial crisis meant that Babies R Us stopped ordering, and the independent stores they were in started to really struggle, too. That was a big eye-opener for us in the sense that, oh my gosh, in order to really survive, we need to have mass distribution. They decided they needed to focus on volume. But in order to get into stores, they needed a whole line of products. That was expensive, so they started to look for investors. On the West Coast at the time, however, it was tough to get money if your startup wasn't in tech or biomed. For Stacy and Jim, that realization just added to a feeling that had been growing for a while, that California really wasn't working for them anymore. Los Angeles was amazing when we were really young, you know, and we got to a point where the, I think the third kid at that time, we were like, oh my gosh, like... Everything was really expensive. Everything was busy. And, and, you know, there's no way we could let our kids ride their bikes on the street and be like, hey, come back in a couple hours or go down to the neighbors. Like, you just didn't do that. Didn't matter if you lived in Beverly Hills or if you lived where we lived, you know, because you grew up with a lot of that. I grew up with that as well. And we just, we really wanted that for our kids. We knew that wasn't home. And so you only get one lease on this planet and might as well make use of it where you feel at home. And so we started formulating our exit strategy. The couple created a short list of where they wanted to live. It was between Colorado and Northern Michigan. Stacy had been to college in Colorado and Jim's family had a holiday home in Northern Michigan. But which one to choose? Well, we're sitting on the couch in Los Angeles one night and on the TV comes this pure Michigan commercial. Wish you were here. Words we've often seen on postcards and letters from friends and family. Luckily, there's an entire state that whispers, wish you were here. It was like a sign from God. So let's set our compass for Traverse City and find ourselves. We just looked at each other like, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> so Tim Allen got you, huh? Yeah, so yes. Tim Allen invited us and we accepted. In the magic and the moments of pure Michigan. Stacy could work from anywhere. But Jim, not so much. I still went to a studio every day where I had a desk and, and coworkers and a producer. Uh, most importantly, I had a producer who I knew if I were ever going to work out of house, it would have to be with the blessing of uh, my producer. But luckily for Jim, much of his work had become digital. The old days of the fax machine were over, and now there was email. And that new way of working meant he could technically work remotely. Ultimately, when I finally did walk into my producer's offices and say, we're thinking about moving back to the Midwest, would that work? Not one of them hesitated to not give us, you know, the blessings. So in 2012, Stacy and Jim moved to Traverse City. Jim has continued his work as an animator. For Stacy, the move has been a huge boost for her company. So it wasn't until we moved to Michigan where, you know, you have a state that completely understands the core of manufacturing. It's in their blood. 
And that was that was a real turning point for us because that allowed us to start talking to some different investment firms and angel investors specifically here in Traverse City and then also in Grand Rapids that um, understood what we were trying to do, understood the process and knew that in order for us to be successful, we really had to support the whole mission of the company and come out with more products. So we raised money here in Michigan in 2012 to be able to basically build a larger line. Since then, Go Silly sales have doubled each year. The brand is now sold in 30 countries around the world. And the New York Times said recently that Go Silly's reusable straws are some of the best on the market. But the move to Northern Michigan has not just been a success for Go Silly. In the era of streaming, Jim's career has continued to soar as well. He's now working on the Netflix animated series Big Mouth. As for the Feely family, well, now the kids get to play outside on their bikes. And who needs a Peloton when you have Northern Michigan on your doorstep? To find out more about Stacy's company, go to GoSilly.com. That's G-O-S-I-L-I.com. And watch Big Mouth or American Dad to see Jim's latest animations. Creative Coast is a podcast series brought to you by Traverse Connect, the Grand Traverse Region's economic development organization, and is produced by me, Tommy Andres, and Maria Byrne for our company, Heirloom Media. That's spelled A-I-R. The music is composed by Josh Hoisington. This podcast series is made possible thanks to generous support and funding from the Michigan Film and Digital Media Office at Michigan's Economic Development Corporation. You can visit Traverse Connect's website at traverseconnect.com.